So one of the big topics in this parsha is the contribution of the Nasiya to, to the Mishkan, right? So the whole end of it discusses over and over, right? it repeats itself 12 times. The same thing again and again. Each Nasiya brought the same exact thing, and it repeats it, so it repeats it 12 times. Um, and there's a very interesting... Um, one of their donations were very interesting, which will teach us a very powerful insight on life. One of the very empowering. Yes. One of the things they donated um, were they brought a carbon inaugurating the, the Mishkan, but they actually donated things. What do they donate? The story actually goes that the Nasiim, we discussed this in the, in the Parsha Shmini or whatever, that the Nasiim, the leaders, they were being very selfless. And they wanted everyone else to more. donate. They wanted them to have a chance to donate, and they said, we'll give afterwards. Selfless. They, we discussed this back then very in length. And what happened was, everyone, the Jewish people, were so excited to donate to the Mishkan that they brought so much that there was even extra. Moshe said to stop bringing, there's too much. So when they came to the Nasiim, there was nothing for them to give. They said they had, they had to use the money that they brought to go and just uh, find the gems, the precious stones. That's all they were able to, to manage to get. But there was nothing else for them to add. So it came time to inaugurate the Mishkan. They were first. They said, we're not going to take chances anymore. We want to go first. But they actually donated stuff. One of the things they don't, the thing that they donated were the wagons. They donated wagons. Now let's go into a discussion of the wagons that they donated and understand it a little because there's something very um, weird and interesting about it. How many shvatim were there? There were 12 shvatim. How many um, wagons were donated? Anyone know? Six. Six wagons were donated with two animals to pull each wagon. Now, what does that mean if there were six wagons donated? That means each Sheva, each Nasi donated half a wagon. Now, what were these wagons for? They were to carry a lot of the Mishkan as they traveled, to carry the wood, to carry different, the, the, the different materials of the Mishkan as they traveled. So you would think that probably means that they didn't need more than six. I mean, if they needed more than six, couldn't each David, couldn't each Nasi donate at least one? Each donated a half. So if you look into it, there's a Gemara and Shabbos, it's an interesting discussion. Unfortunately, I didn't have time to prepare a sheet, a source sheet, but uh, it's there in Gemara Shabbos, where it goes through a very weird description of what happened when they transported the Mishkan. It explains that there was exactly enough space to put on the wagons, the beams, the crushing, the beams of the Mishkan. And exactly enough space, space, so much so, that Levian, they had to have Levian, following each of the wagons, walking alongside it and behind it, to make sure that none of the beams fell off. And if there was one beam that was slipping, a lady would quickly come and push it back in place. Now it's one thing if they donated hundreds of wagons and there was so much to carry and there simply wasn't enough, I mean they were in the desert, 
So there simply wasn't enough to put together for them to, um, to, to travel, to, to, to transport it. But they each donated half a wagon. And the half a wagon that they each donated caused that you needed a levy to be following. And they were worried about the beam slipping and falling off. Couldn't they have at least donated one full wagon? Because they, 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 they the iron, the iron. Yeah. Only the iron was unique. <laughs> because they, they, they donated such few wagons that there wasn't enough space for to comfortably fit all the all the wood. Okay. The iron was unique. It was unique. But but yeah. So this, obviously, there's something that needs to be understood here, and there's something that lies beneath what's going on here. Especially when you, when you, do, when you um, analyze and give a look at the rest of the donations. Like we said, there was too much. When it came to the rest of the donations, the Beis Amigdash, they weren't skimpy on anything. Right? They, they had tons of gold, tons of all the materials, um, and they, it was very luxurious. It was very, um, and it should be. Right? We know you, the, the shul should be built better and greater than any house. Right? That it's supposed to be, look greater. It's supposed to be the tallest building in town. Right? It's supposed to be the, um, the most, um, uh, the most g- glamorous, the biggest, whatever, the biggest um, thing. It's supposed to give off the biggest look and be the, the most beautiful. That's what we're taught and that's what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to give the best and the most towards, uh, towards holiness. So especially in the base of English on the Mishkan, you would expect, and it was like that, that they gave so much, there was so much given. And there was, it was very beautiful. But it came to the wagons, half a wagon for each, for each shape. What's going on? So the truth is, it leads us to a very... It can be taken in, two, in different ways, but we'll try to discuss it from an empowering point of view. It's very empowering. And let's... let's um, understand it from with first understanding what was the purpose of the Mishkan what was the whole idea of the Mishkan the whole idea of the Mishkan Hashem said Hashem said in the Torah when he when he requested of the Jewish people to build the Mishkan in Parshas Truma he says make for me a sanctuary and I will rest I will dwell inside of it God wanted a place where he can call home Right? God wanted a place where he can, he can live. He can, he can rest and he can feel comfortable. And we all know that what does it mean for someone to feel comfortable? Everyone has their image and the way they exp- um, uh, allow themselves to be seen by others outside of their home. And everyone has the way they comfortably live in their house. Everyone's different in their house than the way they are outside. And it's, it's supposed to be like that. You're supposed to be more comfortable inside of your own home and be able to, to do your own thing. And when you're outside, then you have to put on a little of an image and a little of an exterior um, uh, picture to other people. And it happens emotionally, socially, meaning some people aren't the happiest people. On the outside, they give this image to other people. And, he, and in appearance, that in your home, some people walk around with not so many clothes. But when they're outside, you need to, you need to put on more layers. And it's because at home you're comfortable. And that's the way it's supposed to be. A child especially. The child when he's in school, when he's around other kids, he may act a little different than at home and it's a good sign. They say that the kids that are very well behaved outside and make a lot of trouble at home, it's a good sign. Because that means they're comfortable at home. (laughs) 
Um, I was one of those kids growing up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was a disaster at home, but outside I was, uh, I was more be- well behaved. <clears throat> they say it's a good sign. They say that it, that means the child feels secure. He feels confident at, in, at home. And outside he needs to put on a, put on a show. <clears throat> so um, a home is where you want to feel comfortable. So God wanted such a place. He wanted a place where you could feel comfortable. If you're comfortable, it doesn't mean that in one room you're comfortable, the other room you're not. And one, it means that it's your home. When it's your home, you can literally be yourself anywhere. Otherwise, it's not really your home. So making a home for God is a place where God can, can really feel at home in any place in any part of it. <coughs> There's a fundamental rule that we discuss in Torah thought, which is that God did not create anything without a purpose. We know the world that we live in is a fascinating place. You go around the Floy Sabari, right? You see God's wonders and God's creation and God's beauty everywhere. Landscaping, the mountains, the, all these places that people go to visit. And, um, and even the, the, the simple... So, so, so you know what I'm talking about. Um, the beauty of creation. The beauty of creation. The beauty of creation. Wherever you go in, in America, people think you have to go outside of America. In America, you have many places. Um, I discovered it last summer because uh, I, I've been outside of America a couple of times seeing things. Last summer we wanted to do something. It was the pandemic. There wasn't much to do. We drove, uh, we took a trip in Arizona. We, we you know, the beautiful places there. You know, the Grand Canyon, the, all the canyons there. Beautiful places. Um, but it's the beauty of creation. And uh, you would think, well, God wanted to put on a show. Right? God wanted to put, on a, put, on, put himself on display. Look what I can do. But we're taught that the, there's nothing in the world which is without a purpose. And especially with the famous teaching of the Baal Shem Tev, um, the, the famous uh, cute story that there was a tzaddik walking down the road and he sees a leaf fall off a tree. And he was uh, wondering why would the leaf fall off? He started having a discussion with the tree, talking to the branch, saying, why did he let the leaf fall? The branch says, because this tree shook. So he speaks to the tree. Why did you shake? The tree says, because the wind blew and it made me shake. So he turns to the wind, why did you blow? And so on and so forth, till they each turn them back, till he finally reaches the angel, so to speak, in heaven, or that, that is in charge of all of it, and says, why did you make this all happen? And the, the, the answer he got was, look on the ground. And you'll see, there was a worm crawling, and it was very hot. And the worm was suffering from the heat. So a leaf fell, fell right on the worm to protect the worm. Meaning everything that happens is precise, and, and God has a plan and, a, and, a, and everything happens for a reason. That's everything happening. But even objects, everything in creation is with a purpose. So God wanted us, if this is true with all of creation, how much more so this needs to be expressed and is so much more true in God's home. Now, there's nothing in God's home that can be, um, that, that is without purpose. There's nothing in God's home that's, not, that's unnecessary. And the truth is, yes, the Mishkan and Beis was built with great, luxuri- very luxurious and with a lot of very fancy materials, but each material is very precise. It was weighed a certain amount for each spot, each area. So th- this, understanding this, it can give us a beautiful perspective on the wagons. Here's the answer. It can give us a beautiful perspective on the wagons. Why did they each donate half a wagon? 
The answer is because that's all that was necessary. If you were to measure the beans, they didn't need one extra inch. Now, it's less, it, you, they're scared the beams are going to fall off. But if, there's not, if, if, there was, if there would have been one spot of the wagons, one inch that wasn't used, that means in God's home, there would be one area where God is not expressed. That's not being used for the purpose of the Mishkan. It's not being used for the, for, to, to express God's holiness and God's presence. And this is why it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't enough that they wanted to donate. They couldn't donate more than half a wagon because more than half a wagon wasn't necessary. Is it possible to use another explanation? <laughs> there could be another explanation. No, no. Uh, I have a specific... Of course. I have, I have, there are, ma- there are, like we no, said, there's 600,000 ways to understand that. Have you ever loaded a wagon before? I have, have I ever loaded an actual wagon, like one yes. of those pulley things, yeah? No, no, a real wagon. No, I've never, ha- I've never I used have a wheel in Home a Depot. Wagon. And oh, if you yeah. have a few <laughs> stuff on there, then you actually have to have someone to watch it. But if you have a lot of stuff and it's condensed, and the weight yeah. of all of them will keep it grounded. So had they had more wagons, they would have needed more people to make sure the beams don't fall off. By virtue of stuffing it all in, it creates its own insulation system, and okay. it's less likely to move. Okay. That's physics. It's each so leader donated half a wagon. They couldn't do each. They donated six wagons in total. Twelve tribes donated six wagons in total. So they split it financially and donated. Each one donated half a wagon. Are the young nations of America? So this is the now. It's very empowering. Why is it very empowering? In a way, it's very. Maybe it was about unity. Maybe there's some sign there. Yeah, that can be as well. Yeah. You don't like my answer, right? It's too plain. Simple. <laughs> Maybe that's so this answer is, very, is, is a very empowering answer. And on one hand, it's very demanding. On the other hand, it's very empowering. It's very demanding because what it tells a person is there shouldn't be one ounce of your life because we, are, we all are supposed to make our lives a home for God. There shouldn't be one um, inch of your life that's not used for a godly purpose. And uh, um, the Labavitch Rebbe spoke about this, and you can hear it in the recording, where he gives, this, he gives this example. He says that if someone says that, what do you want from me? 23 hours and 59 minutes of my day I use for God. One minute, let me breathe. The, the, the Labavitch Rebbe said the words. He said that that one minute, that one minute is not being used for a godly purpose. And is, so to speak, for waste. Did God give you that minute to breathe? To be used for nothing? Like Every opposite. moment like God opposite. gives you is for a reason. I was like opposite. 23 and a half minutes, 23 hours, and then for a day. Now, obviously it's very demanding. But, um, but on the other hand, it's actually very empowering. Because what it shows a person, people think, people think, that what am I capable of? What am I capable of? Um, uh, it's very difficult for me, like you said, to even focus for one minute. And what this tells us is the fact that God put you in the world. The fact, the fact that God gave you all the capabilities, the talents, and um, abilities that you have. And that God gave you the ability to breathe for another day. That means God believes in you and is telling you that you have the ability to use out every talent that you have and every minute that you have that I'm giving you to breathe for a godly purpose. You have to figure out how. But the fact that you're able to is very empowering. God's telling you, yes, you do have the ability, otherwise I wouldn't have given it to you. Everything's with a purpose, right? God doesn't do anything for no reason. So if God's telling you, God's giving you um, that ability, that talent, that money, 
that um, those friends, those uh, environments that you're in, giving you the, those, the, the moments of life, every moment and every capability, everything God gives you, God's telling you that you have the ability to use this out for a positive and holy reason. And we have to be creative and figure out how. But it's empowering to think that we're able to. And this is the message from the Mishkan. God wanted to show us that everything in the Mishkan had a purpose, was able to be used and was used for, uh, as part of the Mishkan. And in our own Mishkan that we build in our own life, inside of ourselves, is giving us the same message. That we have the people think that who am I, what am I, I'm not so holy, I'm not so I'm, uh, gifted, um, what can I contribute to, to Judaism, what, can I can, what holy things can I, am I able, am I capable of? And the answer is right here. The fact that God gave you every ability that you have, the, God, the fact that God put you here and gave you the ability to live and breathe for another few days, for another few moments, is because you have the ability to use those moments out for a godly purpose. And just an interesting thought, this is more of a litvish of art, but this is, this is what they, the, the, by Bittal Torah, we know everyone says, Bittal Torah is when you, there's a few minutes that you're not learning, right? Um, it's, there's, there's people that explain that Bittal Torah could even be by someone that's learning every day, all day and night. Why? Because, because there's certain, there's certain uh, uh, cap- our brain is capable of uh, understanding something um, with one depth, or with a deeper depth, deeper. If, for example, sitting around this class, you have the ability to sit around the class and actively listen, to sit there and listen and really understand and ask questions and be involved. You have the ability to sit here and listen with one ear and the other ear summarize, right? Um, so you have the ability to be fully involved in something or not as involved. So you could have someone that's learning all day and night, but they're being mavato tara because there's a part of them that's not involved in the learning. There's a part of them that's learning all day and night, but they're not using their full capability to be able to study. And again, it teaches us for, for life. Give it a use. Yes. yes. If you have one talent and you ignore it, then you're, that talent that God gave you is for waste, so to speak. And what this teaches us is something very powerful. That God wants you to explore yourself and understand yourself and really find everything God gave you. Because God made everyone different. He gave you your abilities and gave someone else their abilities. And we need to discover, look deep inside of ourselves and find what, what we are, what we have, what we have to contribute and what we're able to do. And when you discover those things, you discover the unique reason why God put you in the world and gave you those things to do. Sometimes it takes a lifetime to discover it. But we have to constantly be looking for that. Because there's a reason why you're here, specifically you. And if there wasn't a reason for it, you wouldn't be here. The fact that you're here means there's a unique purpose for you, why you, things that you needed to do specifically, that you can't leave up to someone else to do. And the fact that you may say, oh, I'm using every part of my um, uh, potential, every, every one of my capabilities to do, uh, to do everything holy and do what God wants and, and live my life, you may, there may be some part of you that you haven't discovered yet. And you have to constantly be looking and finding. And if a person feels that the life is too mellow, too lame, sometimes they have to look deep inside of themselves and find that they have something which, the, which they haven't discovered yet, which sometimes only surfaces later. But it's the beautiful message is that, yes, that you are given something, that um, you're, the, what you were given, everything that you were given was with a purpose and is, is for a reason and is able to contribute and be used for a, good, for, for a positive goal. God's eyes, the best.